And then also it, there apparently were some like gun ranges or, or shooting areas <laughs> yes. along the way. Yes. So I, you know, and this was in the daylight, you know, you would kind of see off the road, you would hear people shooting their guns and, you know, have all of the tin cans or I don't know, whatever it was they were aiming for wildlife. But so it did just occur to me. I was like, I'm assuming this is a daylight activity. I'm hoping that when I'm by myself, because I was doing the math and it's like, I mean, I think it's going to be certainly after dark uh, when you're hitting that aid station. I, you know, I'm just hoping a, a stray bullet doesn't find me, but yeah. It, and then two, if, you know, if you've ever seen Breaking Bad and I just was really expecting to glance, you know, a kind of ratty looking Winnebago off in the distance with some <laughs> green smoke billowing out of the windows. Sveiki, tevi tāls Germans, resnais skrējais no Rīgas Latvijā. Laipni lūdzam Big Ass Runner podkastā, kur mēs izklēdējam un iedrošinām taku skrējējus visā pasaulē. Ir īpaši Latvijā. Laipni sagaidiet tā vadītāju. Lieliskais darba zirgs, Čefs Harels. Smaks, ka nepacēl. Hi, this is Vitals Germans, a Big Ass Runner from Riga, Latvia. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner podcast, where we entertain and encourage trial runners from all over the world. Especially in Latvia. Now, here is your host, the fantastic Clydesdale, Jeff Harrell. Rhymes with Barrel. Well, thank you so much, Vitals. We have always wanted to have someone from Latvia do the intro, and there you go. Thanks for doing that. That was amazing. Two languages, the first bilingual intro that we've ever done so thanks for doing that all the way from latvia i'm not sure how the audio even got to us maybe through the miracle of the internet but thanks so much for doing that introduction well welcome to the big ass runner my name is jeff harrell this is episode number 82 very special episode today we are focused on the black canyon 100k this is the Black Canyon 100K race recap edition of the Big Ass Runner. I'm going to give you all the ins and outs of my race back in Arizona from last weekend. You're going to hear from mostly me, but also a few other people along the way. I hope you really enjoy this. And our goal is to not only share with you what happened last weekend in Arizona, but also share some hopefully good nuggets of information that you can then apply as you are preparing and running your next ultra marathon. And here's how I'm going to break it up. I'm going to start with describing the race itself, the course, the aid stations, just the layout of the race. And then I'll go in chronological order, just our experience heading down to Arizona, the people that we met along the way, and then talk about the race itself and then at the end, we're going to hear from two different people. We're going to hear from the best crew in the world, which was my wife, Allison. She's going to share a little bit of her experience as someone crewing for the first time. So hopefully you'll get a little bit of insight and some great value there as well. And then at the end, we're going to hear from Coach Greg, and we're going to talk a little bit about post-race and some of the things, questions he asked and things that 
he would want to know and things would we would want to document for the next race, things we wanted to learn from this one that we can apply in both our training and our next adventure. So hopefully that sounds good. And what I want to start with is an, an, a little bit of a teaser because I'm going to get to this in a little bit. But there was a villain out on the course, a villain who was trying to keep many of the runners from actually finishing. And I'll talk about that villain when we get to the actual race recap. So keep that in mind. Villain out there who wanted to take down the big Clydesdale as well as many other runners out at the Black Canyon 100. So with that in mind, let's get going on the very special Black Canyon race recap episode, episode number 82 of The Big Ass Runner. Well, as I said in the open, I want to start with describing the race itself. Some of you have run this race before. It is put on by Era Vipa. This is the first race I've ever done put on by them, and they do an amazing job. I'd heard that from other people, and I experienced it firsthand. Very organized from the expo to the aid stations to the emails that we got. Everything super well organized, super well done. The aid stations were well stocked. We'll talk a little bit more in detail as we go through what happened on the course itself. But great job and very impressed with how the race was put on. This is a 100K on Saturday and a 60K on Sunday, which is why they call it the Black Canyon Ultras, plural. And the race starts at Mayer High School in Spring Valley, which is about an, an hour north of the Phoenix area. And it basically just heads south. So from Mayer High School, you do this really cool at the start. You do this really cool lap around the high school track. And this is just a gravel track. It goes around. So it starts at Mayer High School. You do a lap around the track. And then you've got basically 10 aid stations, including the finish line from the start, you've got 7.7 miles to Antelope Mesa, and then another 5.2 to Hidden Treasure, and then another 6.5, which gets you into the first kind of major aid station called Bumblebee Ranch. You've probably seen videos of that really cool aid station, really cool ranch. First time that I got to see Allison, my crew, that's the first place that crew can be. So at that point, you're about 19.4 miles in. Head out of Bumblebee Ranch, you hit Gloriana Mine at another 4.6 miles, and then a big stretch, 7.5, which is one of the hardest parts of this race, by the way, for me, into Soap Creek, and then from Soap Creek into Black Canyon City, which is the next major aid station that you can see your crew is another 6.2 miles. So at that point, you're 37 miles into the race, about 60%. That's where the 60K ends in Black Canyon City. From there, you go to a, a pretty long stretch, 8.8 miles to Cottonwood Gulch. And then the next aid station is another major aid station, the last major one called Table Mesa at 4.7 miles. And then it's 7.7 to Doe Spring, 
But once you're at Doe Spring, you're 3.6 miles away from the finish. So you whiz through that one to get to the finish line in Emory Henderson. And so that's the race. You basically start north and head south. It is pretty much, I mean, obviously a lot of windy stretches. Uh, I would say that the course at the beginning was easy. You're on the road and you're headed downhill and you could keep a pretty fast pace. But what I'd heard from many people is don't start out too fast because the heavy climbs will be coming. And this is a net downhill race. And if you look at the race profile, it looks easy, but I will tell you after experiencing this firsthand, this is not an easy race. Even though it is a net downhill, it certainly doesn't, or at least to me, did not feel that way. And there's a lot of washes, so it's up, down, up, down, some pretty significant climbs. And I would say the climb right after Bumblebee Ranch was really tough because you're at the heat of the day. And I would say that stretch between Bumblebee Ranch and Black Canyon City was the toughest for me, mainly because of the time of day that it was and also because of the terrain and the climb. A lot of rocks. It reminded me a lot of Bandera in terms of just rocks, rocks, rocks all over the course. And of course, the cactus, which was super cool, all kinds of different cactus. And I'll talk a little bit about some of the really cool elements of the cactus uh, later when I talk about the actual race itself. But that's the course. I knew it was a net downhill in my mind. I'm thinking, oh, that'll be easier than, let's say, Bandera. But I will tell you that it was not. In fact, I would say after Bumblebee Ranch, that first 19 miles is is a little bit easier than probably Bandera in my experience because there's a lot of runnable spots and it was cooler in the day. And you've got obviously more energy, but after Bumblebee, it got really, really tough and lots of up and down, lots of climbing. And even though, again, it's a net downhill race, it certainly didn't feel that way. So that's a little bit about the race or the course itself. And so let's talk a little bit about my experience. So my wife and I are making this trip. She's my crew. And we left Thursday morning to head to Phoenix because we wanted to have a full day to acclimate to the area and to, honestly, the biggest reason is to find all of the aid stations that she would be at. You know, one of the reasons we picked this particular course, it's a point to point, which I love because you don't repeat anything. Everything's new and fresh and you just basically start and you keep going until you finish. But it is a little bit tougher on crew. With a loop course, the crew can set up kind of a home base and you end up coming back to the crew over and over. So it's easier for them on a loop course or a down and back. But this was a little bit tougher for crew because they've got to be on the move. So my wife dropped me off at Mayor and then she had to be at Bumblebee and then she had to be at Black Canyon and then Table Mason. So we spent uh, most of the day on Friday, finding all the locations. But before that, Thursday night, we were able to meet up with several of the folks out there with Ashley, who has been on the show before, and she invited some folks from the Team Dirt and Vert out there in the Arizona chapter of Team Dirt and Vert. We did a little bit of a happy hour. It was awesome to meet Ashley in person and to meet a lot of the folks there, uh, Luke and John and 
Ines and all all kinds of folks. It was great. And then our friend uh, Moose was there as well. You're going to hear from him here in a little bit. But great to see them. And while we were there, I was trying to capture a little bit of audio. And so here's a little bit of audio from our happy hour with Ashley. Okay, we're here in Surprise, Arizona. We did a little a little happy hour with some of the folks out here, some of the amazing people. And I'm here with Ashley. Ashley, any advice for me? We're two days away from the race. Any advice for, for the big ass runner, for the for the Clydesdale, for this big Black Canyon one hundred K? My advice would be to get some sleep and you're you're prepared for this, so I you're ready. You heard it from Ashley. I am ready for this race. It's going to happen. We're going to finish. Thank you. So that was Thursday night. We were able to head back to the hotel, get a good night's sleep on Friday, get up, have some breakfast, and then headed out to find all these locations. We decided to go all the way up to Mayer High School to just check that out. And we are greeted with what we'd seen in all these videos as well as a lot of awesome Beacons of light, which I tried to use, but they had zip tied them, so I couldn't use, but that's okay. They were being safe for race day. So we found Mayor High School, and then we went to the very first major aid station. And I'm glad we did this because this one's off the beaten path quite a bit. Everything's off of I 17 to some degree, but this Bumblebee Ranch was a little bit off, had to make a few turns. Glad we found it, but it was one of my favorite. Aid stations. Here's a little audio from Bumblebee Ranch. Okay, it's the day before the race, and we are checking out all the major aid stations. We are here at the notorious Bumblebee Ranch, and see a couple of people walking around. A couple of people getting little runs in, little shakeout runs, or some vans that to be maybe camping out. Very quiet today, but I'm sure it'll be much different tomorrow. Very cool aid station. Yeah, it was super quiet on Friday, but certainly not, not quite on Saturday, very busy, but again, probably my favorite aid station that we went through Bumblebee Ranch horses out there, tons of people, because it is the first time you could see your crew. And then we made our way to Black Canyon city to find uh, that aid station and found it. It's right off of I-17, really easy to find. And then the third one that we wanted to find was Table Mesa. This one also was off the beaten path. And I will tell you was the scariest to find because we're driving around and not sure if we've made the right turn or not. This is in broad daylight. And Allison's going to have to make this same drive in the dark because by the time I get to this aid station, it's going to be pretty late on Saturday. And it felt like we were in a scene of Breaking Bad because it was, you know, the Arizona desert and there were some cars and vehicles out there that looked like, you know, maybe hadn't been used in a while. And apparently this is a very popular shooting area because there were a lot of people with automatic rifles and targets and just shooting stuff out there. It just felt... A little bit interesting, and we expected to see uh, the Breaking Bad Winnebago, but didn't didn't quite see that. But we're certainly glad we found it in the daylight, so that Allison could find Table Mesa in the evening. 
And then we headed over to Anthem Mall just to make sure we knew where that was, that she was going to park. So to get to the finish line, you can't actually park at the finish line. You've got to go to Anthem Mall, park, and then take a bus to the finish. And so we found that. And then by that time, it was time to go to the expo. So we went to the expo, picked up the packets, and actually ran into a couple people that we knew, which was great. I bought a little bit of merch. I had to get a shirt and a hat and some other things just to, to prove I was there. But uh, it was a well-run, again, well-run expo, very organized. And I uh, got to talk to the Hoka folks out there and ask them about the Speedgoat 5s. Apparently, March 15th is the date for the Speedgoat 5s. We've been waiting for those. And uh, just a great time. And by the way, we got to the expo a little bit early. The expo is right by the Rock Springs Cafe. So we got to go in and get a table because we had heard that the pie there is amazing. And we got to experience the pie at Rock Springs Cafe. It was amazing. We had the blueberry crumble and the banana cream pie, both amazing. I figured, hey, we need some carbs, need some calories. And so took care of a couple of pieces of pie and a couple of cups of coffee. And it was great. So by that time we went to the expo, headed on home, wanted to get a good dinner under our belts, so to speak, and did that and tried to hit, hit the hay, try to get in bed pretty early, try to stay on central time zone so that we would get that extra hour of sleep. And I think we went to bed like at eight 30 mountain time, which is crazy. But got a decent amount of sleep. You know, I don't sleep real well before a race, but slept okay. Got enough sleep, I think, and woke up early enough to do. I don't know. If, I don't know if you've do. You're doing this or not. I'm sure you've heard of this, but the Wordle, the word of the day, the little Wordle game. I'm playing it with my my family. We all post every day how we did, and woke up early enough. And I thought, you know, it's good to get my mind off the race a little bit. So I did my Wordle of the day. And I could not believe what the word of the day on Saturday was. It was a little, like a little wink from God. The word of the day was ultra. I could not believe it. That set the tone for the day. Like, this is going to be a good day. Word of the day was ultra. So got all geared up, got my Path Projects shirt and shorts and my Exoskin toe socks and my Speedgoat 4s. I decided to wear some arm sleeves so that I could remove them if I wanted to, but I also thought it'd be good to keep the sun off and then had my backwards path projects hat, got all our gear together, got some, I got a bagel and peanut butter in me and off we went to Mayer High School. And man, I tell you what, I was super excited, super nervous. You know how you are with those nerves. As soon as the start gun goes off, the nerves go away and it just becomes real. But leading up to that, I always get those nerves. And so certainly had them as we headed north to Mayer High School. Here's a little audio how that went. All right, Allison and I are in the car. We are headed to the Mayer High School where these this race will start. Allison is driving me to drop me off so I didn't have to ride the shuttle, which is amazing. And we are listening to Belinda Carlisle for the 74th time. Apparently this car comes with a playlist of about 12 songs. And we've heard this one quite a few times, but got good sleep last night. Feeling good. It's uh, 7.07 mountain time. Start at 8 o'clock. 
the elite guys have just started. They're out there somewhere. So feeling good. Yeah, this car had a weird playlist. And I, and I say playlist. It, it was a radio station, but it just played the same songs over and over. But we couldn't find a better one. So we had to fight through a few Belinda Carlisle songs, which is fine. She's fine. You know, Stephen wouldn't have been able to sing along, but we were able to. So it was a lot of fun. So Allison dropped me off at Mayor. It was actually not as crowded and busy as I had pictured in my mind. So she was able to actually park and get a, a couple of photos. And then off she went. And I hit the beacon of light a couple of times out of nervous energy and one thing that Aravipa does, which I think was great, it was pretty chilly at the, you know, you're, you're up farther north and it's early in the day. And so it was probably, I don't know what the exact temperature was, but it was pretty chilly. I had my big ass runner hoodie on and that kept me pretty warm. But one thing they do is they do these toss bags where they've got these white bags. You just write your name and your bib number and you put the finish line on there. So right before the race, you can take off your hoodie throw it in this toss bag and then just toss the bag in the middle of the field there at the mayor high school track. And they would deliver all of those items to the finish line, which is super, super cool because it allowed everyone to stay a little bit warmer right before the race. So countdown goes on, off we go one lap around the track and then through the, you know, the campus of the high school and through this little community there in spring Valley and off we went. And I got to meet a couple of people that were running pretty similar paces to me over the first probably seven miles or so until we hit that first aid station. Uh, a guy named Chad and a guy named Joe. Joe actually had his phone and was taking a couple of photos and videos and sent them to me. And it was just good to meet them. Again, similar paces. And you know how it is on the trail. You just meet people. And very friendly. Everyone at that point has obviously got a lot of energy and excited. And again, that first 7.7 miles, pretty pretty easy terrain to negotiate. And the paces were pretty good. I think if you look at my splits, they were pretty you know quicker for me anyway. I had a 10 and a half minute first mile, 11.43, and mile six. And then mile seven was 12.29, mile eight, 11.34. Nine was a 12-minute. 10 was at 12.57, 12.46. So I'm basically in these 12-minute mile range for the first 14. It got a little bit tougher after that. Started slowing down a little bit. Got into the 14-minute mile pace. Um, and it's really until we got to mile 19, which was Bumblebee Ranch, felt like it was going not too fast, but a pretty pretty good pace, pretty runnable, pretty good pace. One thing I will say is at that first aid station at Antelope Mesa, I refilled, I usually have one flask full of water and one flask full of whatever carb mix they have. It's either Tailwind usually or something like that. They had Gatorade, and I don't know who mixed this Gatorade. I think it must have been like the four-year-old or something in the, in the back of the aid station. This was the sweetest, like full sugar Gatorade. I got a little worried about that because it was so sweet. And fortunately, I was able to, to just kind of sip a little bit on that until we got to the next aid station. But holy mackerel. From there, I realized they had the goo, I think it's called Roctane, which I think is pretty similar to a Tailwind 
So I switched to that once I realized they had that going forward and had no problems. So got into Bumblebee Ranch, certainly very excited to get there because that's the first big major aid station where you get to see your crew. And here's a little bit of audio from that. Okay, we're at the Bumblebee, Bumblebee, that's how tired I am, Bumblebee Aid Station. About on time, I think, for a 17 to, to 19 minute or hour uh, run. I'm definitely slowing down though. It's getting really, really, really hot. So, feeling pretty good. We're gonna, we're gonna take this next stretch pretty easy though. It's gonna be the heat of the day. Probably gonna walk quite a bit of it and uh, see how I feel. Yeah, felt pretty good there at Bumblebee, but the villain that I talked about at the beginning of the show, the villain was starting to raise his ugly head at that point. The villain for this race, which knocked out over 120 people, the villain was the heat. It was going to be unseasonably hot, even for the desert. And I think the official temperature, the official high was 81 but I can tell you it felt, and I'm from Texas, so I get heat all the time. We're in it all the time. But 81 in the desert felt a lot hotter than that, and you're exposed. There is no shade throughout the course in the rocks and the sun beating off the, the rocks and the cacti and all that. It felt a lot hotter. And so there was that that heat. In fact, I had watched a race recap the night before from Dylan Bowman was interviewing Eric Sensman. Eric had run the race the year before he was injured. So not running this year, but he gave a race preview, which was really cool. But he talked about the heat and how worried he was about it, how it was going to knock out a lot of runners. And it made me pretty nervous. And so once I knew that how hot it was going to be, my strategy for the race changed I wanted to run efficient miles early and try to get some good time, not too fast, not go out too fast, but but be efficient, not really stay very long in the aid stations early on, really move pretty quickly into Bumblebee. And then from Bumblebee into Black Canyon, which was the heat of the day, I was going to dial it back a little bit and go a lot slower. And if you look at my paces, that's exactly what happened because I did not want to be a casualty of the heat. My goal at that point was whatever it took to finish under 20 hours. I, I changed my my 17 hour goal went out the window and I was fine with that. I really I really changed my strategy after hearing how hot it was going to be. And we had felt that the day before at the expo, the heat and again, we're used to it in Texas, but I knew that man would run in that and, and going twice as far as I've ever gone. I really needed to to dial it back a little bit. And that's what I did between Bumblebee and Black Canyon. That was definitely the toughest part of the course. It was the hottest part of the course. There was also a big climb that I was not expecting. If I'd looked at the course map a little bit better, I would have known it was there, but it was a pretty heavy climb right out of Bumblebee. And so I dialed it back quite a bit. And you can you can see from my my Strava miles that I really slowed down after that pretty much from there on throughout the race, but made it from Bumblebee to Black Canyon uh, without, and I actually felt really good throughout the day. I did not feel dehydrated. I didn't feel the effects of the heat. I had good energy throughout. If I have any strength, which I don't know that I have much strengths in terms of 
trail running. If I do have a strength, it is that I am pretty consistent with hydration and nutrition from the get-go. I had eaten quite a bit right before race time. I'd followed both Coach Greg and Eve Pearson's instruction. So I had some good calories in me before we started. And every 30 minutes, I was hitting an awesome sauce. And I was hitting a lot of oranges at the aid stations and was trying to hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. I had to pee, I think, four times throughout the day, which I thought was a good sign. So I really never felt the effects of the heat. And in fact, the two gentlemen that I met early on that I talked about, Chad and Joe, I I looked them up after the race to see how they did. And uh, both of them had to DNF because of the heat. In fact, Joe texted with me a little bit and said that at, at Black Canyon City, he was vomiting and his entire body hurt. He had to pull out at Black Canyon City. I know a lot of people were dropping at Bumblebee even uh, because of the heat. So so my strategy, I think, of dialing it back worked. Again, it was just at that point, the goal was to finish. So from Bumblebee to Black Canyon, that was the toughest part. That was just hammer down, get her done, You know, ease up a little bit on the pace, try to, to move quickly. I was trying to say my, my mindset was stay light, stay quick, but don't go too fast. And that worked out, got into black Canyon. And here's how I sounded when I dropped into black Canyon city. Again, this is at mile 37, basically 60 K. We're here at the uh, black Canyon aid station, did a little longer aid station visit a little behind schedule. This was a really rough part of the course between Bumblebee and Black Canyon. So I've got 10 hours to finish. So I've got 25 miles, 10 hours to do it. We're going to give it a go. Appreciate everybody listening. And you can tell how tired I am. I'm slurring my words. Uh, I, I perhaps was at that point having too many awesome sauces. But Yeah, really tired at that point. It was great to see Allison and a lot of the crew that was there at Black Canyon City. There's a little bit of a down and back that you have to do at Black Canyon. So you get off the trail about 0.9 miles down to the aid station and then you come back. So you got to, there's a bit of a two way. So you got to see people, see people that you'd either passed or they'd passed you. Mostly they'd passed me. And you did this, the, the trail runner, great job, way to go. That that brought a little bit of energy. You heard some of the music in the background at Black Canyon City as well. So that was a great aid station stop. I actually switched my socks and my shoes and my shirt and went from my naked belt to my vest because at that point I wanted to put on my Kogala light, which was amazing. But I will say it was amazing while it lasted, but I, I did not realize how short a life those smaller batteries are. And I'll talk a little bit about that here in a second, but felt really fresh. Had a, a good size blister on my left foot, treated that. Again, switched socks. That was probably the most painful thing is switching socks. Those things are so tight, those exoskin, which they're supposed to be, but they're hard to get on and off. And when you've got a big old blister, it was a little bit of a challenge. But got going, and at that point, I'm like, I just got to power through it. I've got enough time to make it to the finish. And again, mindset was aid station to aid station. I knew at that point the longest stretch between aid stations was from Black Canyon to the next aid station. 
And so it was just, don't worry about time. Don't worry about how many miles. Just try to get a good pace going that you can sustain for a long period of time. And that's what I did. The sun was starting to go down at that point. And so it was starting to cool off, which was great. And the sunset was amazing. So I just tried to soak it in at that point, really enjoy that part of the race that I knew would be a little bit challenging because I knew once I got to Table Mason, I'm 10 miles away. Man, at that point, I'm crawling if I have to, to finish. So I just, I knew aid station, aid station, keep a positive mindset. And that next stretch was was pretty good. And once it got dark, I turned on the Kogala light, which was amazing. I could just, it just lit up the whole trail. You could see the rocks. I mentioned before there are rocks everywhere. I felt like I was kicking rocks for days. You'll hear me comment about that here in a second. Uh, but here's what happened. So I knew that the Kogala light took a lot of battery power. You know, it's got the rechargeable battery packs. I did not have a second battery pack with me. What I did have was my headlight just in case. And I thought those battery packs lasted for six hours, but apparently they only last for three because I, here I go, I'm going, it's it's getting pitch black. You can't see anything. There is some moonlight, so that helps a little bit. And you can see other headlights, you know, popping around. But there's a lot of climbing at this point. So you can't tell where those headlights are relative to where you are. And at some point, my light went out like that, like a snap. It was out. And it was pitch black. And that was a little bit unsettling because I'm like, oh, my gosh, where's that headlight? I'd changed the batteries. I knew I had fresh batteries in the headlight, but there's a little bit of a panic trying to get it out from behind my pack. Uh, But I did get it out, got it on. And I tell you the difference between the Kogala light and the headlight, which I think is a black diamond was almost night and day. It was so difficult to see the rocks and, and the angles from that headlight compared to the Kogala. So I'm a big fan. I just need to get that bigger battery so that it'll last a lot longer. So fought through that, made it to the next couple of aid stations. And then I knew once I got to Table Mesa and I'd see Allison and it was cooling off that I had a good chance of finishing. So here's what happened as we moved into the Table Mesa aid station. So I'm here at the Table Mesa uh, aid station there's a car alarm going off. It's chaos. There's lots. There's music. There's people. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. And we are 11 miles from the finish. Allison is here. My amazing crew and Moose stopped by. Hey, hey. Moose, how's it been for you? Oh, it's been fine, man. The cold Arizona, you know, evenings and stuff. What you're doing here is inspiring, man. Keep it going, and you're you're in the home stretch. So we're all looking forward to seeing you finish this this puppy and me too i am ready to be done i am ready to be done looks like we're going to finish about 18 hours ish or so so two hours before the cutoff hey that sounds good to me over and out i'm so delirious hope you heard that i'm so delirious i said the end there i wasn't even sure what i was saying at the time but thanks so much to mike moose schneider for coming out at uh, table maze it was late at that point i think it was well I think right around maybe around midnight or so. And I I do think, though, as weird as that Table Mesa location was, I said it was like Breaking Bad. It reminded me a little bit of Chapa's because the people there were full of energy. 
you could hear it in the background, the music, and that's what you needed at that point in the race. So hats off to whoever was manning the aid station there at Table Mesa. Did a great job. And once I got out of there, I knew 10 miles, 11 miles to go that I had enough time to make it. And so from there, just went as really as quickly as I could. At that point, I'm not running much at all. You know, it's more of a power hike, which the, all that power hike training, weight vest power hike training I did with Coach Greg really paid off at that point. I just tried to keep as fast a pace as I could. And it did, with the rocks and the terrain, that was hard to do much faster than maybe a 16, 17 minute per mile hike, but it paid off. And we hit the next major aid station was uh, three miles from the finish. And then from there, it was just the big Clydesdale can sense that the barn is not too far away and just go as quickly as you can to the finish line. And we were able to finish at 18 hours, 37 minutes, and 37 seconds. Well, we're here at the finish line of the Black Canyon 100K with the best crew in the world, Alice and Harold. And uh, we got her done. Wasn't the goal time, but the goal was to finish, and that's what happened. So that's, that's a win. I'm ready to go to the hotel and sleep. Uh, tough, tough course. I'm, if I kick another rock, I'm going to have to hurt somebody. But uh, thanks for following along. Yep, we finished, and Allison was there to greet me, and she had ridden the bus over from the mall. It was super chilly at that point. Such an interesting race because you start cold, you get really hot through the day and then finish cold. At that point, it was 2.30 in the morning. So super awesome that she was there and uh, cheering me on all the way through the race and to the finish. And I will say that there are a lot of thanks that I need to, to send out. First of all, all of the kind direct messages and messages and text messages and emails and just so many of the big ass runner heard throughout the week leading up to the race through the race, just words of encouragement. Uh, the fact that you all care at all about this race for me was, was super humbling. And I'm very thankful for that. Another thing that Steven and my wife both did is they had reached out to folks to have them send little videos of encouragement and Steven, I don't know how he did this exactly. I've talked to him about how he did this, but he reached out to several of the big ass runner herd and Allison played those videos every time that I saw her when I was you know, sitting down, you know, switching stuff out, getting, getting new nutrition. And those videos and words of encouragement were so powerful and so helpful. I know I heard from Scott and from Timmy time and from Marcy and Steven. I also heard from Danny and Kelly Fane and Kelly Monica and her kiddos, by the way, which was amazing from Denver, from Andy, from Sheila, from Sadie, everyone that really sent kind words of encouragement and motivation, just a, huge thank you could not have done it without you. And those words of encouragement came at just the right time. And then my wife had also done a similar thing where she had gotten my kiddos to do 
similar videos, Hannah and Evan, Donna and Hayden, and Ava and Landon. And so thanks to everyone for doing that. that it's, it's just humbling to hear from people who you admire and who you love, who are just giving you words of encouragement for doing something that, you know, is it's a big goal and something you probably can't do on your own, but with the support of your friends and family, you certainly can. So thanks to everyone who did that for all, again, the words of encouragement for Moose and for Ashley and for the folks there that were at the happy hour. And by the way, I did not mention this Friday night, right the night before the race, I got a chance to meet Kelly Black. She was there to do the 60K with her friends, Emily and Tiffany. I got to meet Emily and Tiffany. They're amazing. And she's also doing it with another friend who wasn't there until the next day, I think Danielle. And I think they all did really, really well on, on Sunday. So it was just great to see Kelly and Emily and Tiffany in person and get to meet them the night before the big race as well. So that's the big race recap. We we did it. I say we because I do feel like this was definitely a big-ass runner herd effort. It was definitely memorable. I've got that belt buckle. I just ordered a little Black Canyon, I don't even know what you call this thing. It's like a piece that you put your belt buckle on. It's got the course on it. Super cool. Um, but thanks again to everyone who who cared about this. The fact that you even care about this is quite amazing. Up next, you're going to hear from a very, very special person. But before that, you got to hear a little bit of jam. Well, I have a very special, but I would say a little bit reluctant guest. It's my crew, my better half, Allison Harrell, is joining the show. Allison, welcome to The Big Ass Runner. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You can tell she is super excited to be here. And I thought it would be helpful for The Big Ass Runner, her, to hear from someone who, you're not a trail runner. I am not a trail runner. I'm you ha- not any kind of runner. Well, and you've done, but you've done the Chapa's Aid Station. I did. Yes. You made the best potatoes and Chapa special that there is. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't want to take any credit from Tim and Marcy and Scott. They were, and you. Well, it was a group effort. It was a group effort. But so you've seen the the trail runners in misery. You've seen yes. kind of the the opportunities to serve the trail runner. So you. You were my crew on this, and and you and you did it because Tim and Stephen backed out. Let's be honest. Let's be a hundred percent honest. <laughs> I was Plan C. You were Plan C, but you were willing and able. And of course, it was a, a trip to Arizona, which is fun. That was, sure, that, it was fun. Yeah. So I would love for you to share a little bit about what your major concerns were as the crew. This is a point-to-point race, so you had to get from A to B. Not really quickly because I wasn't going very fast, but you had to make it there. And so I would love to know and have you share with the Big S Runner Herd, what were some of your concerns as basically the crew for me during this race? Well, I would say, first off, I 
I think being there, I was just super, I was glad I was there. Like I couldn't imagine you just being there by yourself and having to, and I know a lot of people do, like a lot of people do that. And I have like a whole new respect for just the the drive that it would take to do that and not to have a familiar face <laughs> yes. waiting at an aid station or waiting at the finish line and, and just kind of having that internal motivation. But I was super glad that we got there early uh, so that we had, so we got there Thursday evening and then that gave us Friday to just drive around and get familiar with the area, visit all the aid stations ahead of time. And, and just kind of get a clear understanding of what it was that I was going to be doing. So I think having that day early to be there was was really, really helpful. I think I didn't know how concerned I should be. Like, how crazy is this that you're doing this? Because I know, like you said, Stephen and Tim were originally going to participate and they both pulled out. I was like, well, do they know something that, that I don't know here? Like, is uh, how crazy is this? So I think, you know, when when I was talking to some of my coworkers or friends, uh, you know, the week leading up and kind of explaining, you know, we're taking a long weekend and this is where I'm going and this is what I'm going to be doing. And of course, when you say 100K people, it's like that just doesn't compute to the lay person, if you will, who's not part of the trail running community. And so you know, I would just tell them I have like three big prayers. I, I'm praying that he uh, doesn't get hurt. Yeah. I'm praying that he finishes. Yeah. I know you've worked really hard for this and I, and I don't want us to go and, and for you not to be able to kind of check that off the list. And then my third prayer was, and I just pray he never wants to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if all three of those prayers were answered, but I know that, that last one is a little bit more selfish. So, well, the first two were. Yeah. The first two were, yeah. and I would love for you to describe, cause I think you're right. Having, having a day to find all these places to get you familiar with it, get you comfortable with where you were going. And one of them was easy to find. The black Canyon was yeah. certainly easy to find. We spent a lot of time there at the expo at Rock Creek cafe. The pie there was awesome. It's very good. You had a phenomenal piece of banana cream pie. I did. But describe table Mesa. That was the one that had you a little bit more concerned well, we visited it in the broad light of day on Friday, and and even in the daylight, it was very confusing, hard to follow the directions, just because it was just you know forks in the road, and um, you know it it just wasn't. I was not super confident, even when I was with you, and it was daylight that we were a hundred percent going the right direction, and then also. It, there apparently were some like gun ranges or, or shooting areas <laughs> yes. along the way. Yes. So I, you know, and this was in the daylight, you know, you would kind of see off the road, you would hear people shooting their guns and, you know, have all of the tin cans or I don't know, whatever it was they were aiming for wildlife. But <laughs> so it did just occur to me. I was like, I'm assuming this is a daylight activity. I'm hoping that when I'm by myself, because I was doing the math and it's like, I mean, I think it's going to be certainly after dark uh, when you're hitting that aid station. I, you know, I'm just hoping a, a stray bullet doesn't find me. But yeah. It, and then two, if, you know, if you've ever seen Breaking Bad and I just was really expecting to glance, you know, a kind of ratty looking Winnebago off in the distance with some <laughs> green smoke billowing out of the windows. But yeah, I, it was again, it was dark when 
I actually got there. But you found it. You actually thought you might be going the wrong direction. A hundred percent. And then you stumbled upon it. I was hopeful that there would be people that I could just kind of follow a line of cars, you know, and, and, but it it didn't really work out that way when, when I was headed um, that way, there were cars behind me. I was like, well, either they think I know where I'm going or they're just going to murder me when I get (laughs) far enough. Away from civilization. Yes. So um, it's, it was touch and go for a minute, but I found it. You did find it. And when I ran through there, there you were. And Moose was there as well, which is awesome. Yeah. So last thing in terms of, okay, now looking back on it. So you had some of these concerns and and fears and weren't sure what your role would be. Looking back on it, what did you learn? What, What was your role? What would you, what advice would you give to someone that's going to crew someone Love for you to share some of now now that you're on this side of it, yeah. some of your insight. Yeah, it was I I was really glad I went. Like I said, I think just I have so much respect now for people who because I've seen you just up close, obviously, over the last several months, putting in the work and just putting in the hard miles and you know, in the heat of summer, uh wearing that dang weight vest and doing your heart rate training and you know, running out on the track you know, by our house, which is hardly scenic or enjoyable when it's like a hundred degrees outside. So just seeing all the work that you put into it and knowing, you know, it, it it's not like anyone just goes out and runs a hundred K like there's obviously a lot of work and preparation that's gone into that. So having seen that, it made me really grateful that I was able to actually be there just to cheer you on. Cause you know, I, like I said, I, it was great to see there were a lot of other people there, but I know there were a lot of people who were running, who you know, drove or flew, came from long distances and, and didn't necessarily have a, a familiar face there who was cheering them on. So I think if you if you can go, then by all means, it's great to be there and, and to support somebody. I think us getting there early, just, you know, for me, from yeah. my perspective, yeah. I was really glad that we were able to do that because I think I would have been a lot more nervous, not just really knowing the etiquette. And I think that's another thing, you know, I'd reached out to Stephen the week before knowing that we were going to be headed that way. And I was just like, what, what do I need to know? What, what has he not told me? Like, you know, am I supposed to show up with like big posters that ever, like, am I supposed to have flowers? Is there something I don't know? And it, there's really not, I mean, it really is just, and you had done all the work in terms of having all the gear, having everything separated out, knowing, you know, drop bags and goo and all, all the, all the things. So for me, it was just a matter of, you know, kind of knowing where to be. And, and Greg did such a great job of, um, I think he was the one that kind of estimated, you know, if you're doing this pace, you're going to hit this aid station at this time. And that yep. made it super easy, too. So I felt very fairly confident and certainly more confident as the race progressed. I was like, oh, he really knows what he's talking about. Like that math works. <laughs> so because I think that was one of my big fears is that I was just going to miss you like and and that yeah. would really suck. So but that that never happened. And then I think, you know, maybe the other thing is I did learn one Ooh. Really important piece of etiquette. Ooh, I like this. If you're on the crew, it's considered bad form to eat the aid station food. <laughs> yes. So don't do that. Don't do you. We, we joked about you because we read that rule, and there there was a chance that I would get DNF'd if or disqualified. Yes, indeed. If, if you I made... had decided to just tear into those pickle slices, man, <laughs> just, just nom on those Oreos. Make yourself a little, we were joking about a little aid station charcuterie board that you would make for yourself. <laughs> I mean, there were, I was waiting there for a while, so it, it, I, you I know, you're pretty hungry. Yeah. Pretty hungry. Well, I appreciate you. You got me through uh, all the much. little videos that you helped also 
collect were awesome. That was all Steven. I mean, he just, he, he did an incredible job of sending those. So I was yeah, glad you I knew when to play them, you know, which I, ones I needed I to was, hear at the time. I was glad I was able to do it. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I know you were, you, you were just not exactly chomping at the bit to come on the podcast. So thanks for coming on and sharing those nuggets of wisdom. Sure. Well, I thought we could conclude this race recap episode by bringing in Coach Greg. Hello. Here in studio. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, I'm glad to be on. And your episode last, was it two weeks ago, the, the pre-race episode, we got such good feedback because I think everyone just appreciated just the, the thoughtfulness and the strategy and the kind of things that we, you know, we talked about that you brought up that maybe we didn't think about. And so I think that was really helpful for people, not only that were doing that race, but I think just in general, as you think about doing an ultra, the kinds of things to think about. So super great feedback on that. So I'm excited to kind of wrap this one up by, I thought we could do just a post-race recap, the kind of things that you would do with, with some of your athletes. Right. Yeah. So with every race, unless it's uh, just a, a fun race that an athlete was doing or obviously for fun yeah uh, we definitely want a debrief afterwards at least while it's still fresh and you know a few things is you want to try to keep open-ended questions we have a, a google form basically you know what went well a pretty open-ended you know talk about your race what went well and then what didn't go well you know things that we need to improve upon and then let them talk through that and most importantly what do we need to work on it's always easier when a race goes bad to figure out <laughs> what needs to be worked on. It's more on. obvious. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, no one wants to DNF, but you, if as long as you're taking a lesson away, yeah. you know, things that can be fixed, things that can be remedied, um, then then you can still find value in a race that goes poorly. Um, but especially, uh, you know, I'll send the form out uh, the day after the race. Uh, sometimes it takes a couple of days to, you know, decompress on your own and, you know, you're on a pretty big high. So once you get a chance to kind of, you know, catch up on the fatigue and get your brain, <laughs> get out of the brain fog, uh, you should definitely, uh, every, everyone, regardless of whether they have a coach or not, you don't have to do a lengthy race report. I've probably only done one race report in a decade. I wrote a whole multi-page one out for Rocky Raccoon a decade ago, and I think I lost it in one of my files. And <laughs> I was like, okay, that took way too much work to do. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to put in a lengthy race report, but at least put some notes for yourself. You know, my feeling went well, but I made this mistake here, or my nutrition went bad. I should have ate more. I should have drank more. Definitely debrief everything because by the time the next race rolls around, you may have forgotten what you need to fix. So, and then also not specifically related to the race. So like a weakness that popped up during something that needs to be remedied on the next training cycle. Oh, my, you know, my hamstrings locked up. So we need to work on some uh, hamstring mobility and then hamstring strength as well. So things that we can address uh, to make it a better race, not just the intra-race tactics, but making yourself a uh, shoring up any weaknesses that popped up during the race. Well, I think if I think about weaknesses that popped up, def definitely it was it was twice the distance I've ever run before. Yeah. So I'd I'd say 
you know, after Black Canyon, there wasn't a whole lot of running happening. Yeah. So I think I think just continuing to build the base for me and continuing to build the strength, I think would be good. Things that went well, I and I've talked about it already on this recap, but felt really good energy wise. I, I think I really took the heat seriously. And yeah. so I was very on top of the hydration. I think I peed four times, which I thought was a good that's, sign. That's pretty good. Yeah. Out there. And there, by the way, there's nowhere to pee. No, there's <laughs> not. Well, you have to almost be by yourself. In fact, there was one part uh, where I was running up and there was a lady's like, stop, stop, stop. And I'm like, why, what are you, why are you stopping me? And one of her friends needed to pee behind, basically yeah. behind a cactus. Yeah. So three of us had to kind of hold up, which is certainly fine. But yeah, I think I think the nutrition went well. I, you know, I'm a huge fan of the spring energy, especially after this race. And you know, I was before just because of the taste, but now I am because of the just the results. I, I never had any stomach issues whatsoever, and I took so many of those dead gum things. They're just so expensive, but maybe yeah. that's why they're so expensive. <laughs> well, I, I did reach out. Hopefully. Uh talk about you guys as a oh, I'd love, <laughs> as I'd love a partner this. so I, I i put the word out but uh actually i, I made a, a recent post about spring energy and i had some others that did black canyon as well and they had high praise for it specifically awesome sauce and i think i mentioned uh, someone that yeah it's it's good in the heat and in the cold but he actually had his chilled oh and wow so it was smart a, you know it yeah, i'm sure it was a it was a nice treat I, I would go back to the part about nowhere to pee out there. And so I'm grateful that I'm a guy. Yeah. Specifically that race. Cause there really is nowhere to hunker and those, you know, those cactuses are not very wide. They're tall, but <laughs> there's exactly. nowhere to hide out there. There's not. Yeah. I, in fact, I needed to pee in the first aid station. Yeah. And they only had two uh, beacons of light and there was a <laughs> line on both of them. So I just held it till the next one. I can't even remember how I ended up, releasing that particular part but uh yeah it was it was there was just not you know usually in a race you can hide behind a tree or you you can go off the path and no one sees you but not on this one i actually saw a lot of uh evidence or trail or a little trailing (laughs) liquid that i don't think people are dropping their water i think people are just peeing on the trail yeah as they go i think that's probably true yeah so that that went well. The, the the nutrition went well, and I am a big fan too. I know these don't do so well with with you necessarily, but the oatmeal, yeah. fruit, uh, spring energy, the three hundred fifty calorie. I did one the one of those right before the race, and then I did one at, at the major aid stations, yeah. and I think that gave me another good dose of calories, yep. and and that worked really well too. Yeah, I think strength in terms of weakness. I just wasn't able to run as much as I wanted later in the race. Part of it was because it was dark and part of it was because there's so many loose rocks. And I was like, if I I don't want to trip and and not finish because of uh, injury, I want to make sure I finish. But if I wanted to beat my time, I think that's probably a couple of things I'd work on. You know, I I don't know how, you know, how many of the listeners have been following you. You had a pretty fast ramp up from, you know, from where you were, from when you originally wanted to do the race to 100K. So, you know, we purposely, um, we didn't go as big, um, you know, on the run volume as we could have. We tried to supplement with the Peloton cycle just because there's no magic. There's no magic distance if we, oh, you knocked out a, you know, 40-mile training run. You're okay. You're going to, you know, you're going to go sub-17 at Black Canyon just there's just no magic uh, distance to do that. Um, so the, you know, the number one priority for this was 
we'll you know we'll build your volume as high as we safely can and that way you get to the start line healthy sacrifice some top end fitness we'll sacrifice some volume but at least we had you know a, a few longer races to at least uh, give you some confidence boost knowing that you can do the distance and really to test your nutrition test some um, race gear things like that so um you know, going forward, you know, when we figure out what your next adventure is going to be after you've had one full training cycle under you, you know, we can definitely, uh, you know, we, I think we've already talked about some different plans on how, how to move forward, but knowing that you've already gone through one cycle, we can definitely add more volume with that first one. I'd rather err on the side of caution and make sure yep. you get there healthy. There's no use being, uh, you know, uh, fully fit and, you know, throwing down PRs if you can't access all that fitness because you're injured. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think your, your plan worked great. Cause I, I felt fresh really the whole time. Uh, I, I really didn't ever feel like, man, I don't think I can make this or I want to, yeah. I want to drop out. I, I always felt pretty good. You know, you're, you know, you're, you're torn up cause you're, right. you're getting beat up by rocks. I think the thing that hurt the most for me was, had a couple of blisters on my feet, had okay. a big one on my heel that I needed to, to pop at mile 37. Yeah, but you're just kicking rocks, yep. you know, for 18 hours. And well, I would say for 16 hours, at least the first two miles, not a whole lot of rocks were maybe a little bit longer than that. But yeah, you're just, you know, you're just trying to, you're kicking rocks, you're hitting at different angles and your, your feet are just taking a beating. Yeah. Everyone's mindset is different or, or I guess relative to what kind of races you've done. I, you, you listen to the same podcast that i did i t told you that they, it just came out on friday and if you weren't already burned out on black canyon <laughs> talk you should probably listen and watch this because uh you know eric sensman who is podiumed or second place second place yeah in twice 20, 21 yeah that's uh, right and, he, twice, and yeah. you know they can run that course anytime they want even he said it's a it's a lot tougher course than it looks on paper you it, know it you look is. at the elevation profile it's like oh it's downhill and then you can see two big climbs toward the end, but should be a pretty easy course. And then everyone thinks deserts, huh? It's probably soft sand, dirt. There's a lot of rock, a lot of rock. There's a lot of rock out there. And you know, it's bad on my part. I probably forgot about them. Or maybe I thought they were all like the Cocodona rocks. Um, but you know, it's just, uh, it is a lot tougher course. You know, some of the blisters, if you, especially on your heel, you get in a longer race like that and you're probably hiking, a little bit more than you typically would in your long That's run. That's right. And when you're hiking, you're on your heels. I think we may have talked about this before yeah. uh, and not on, you know, your forefoot. So you're rubbing somewhere where you don't typically rub. And that's a lot of times why we're getting blisters on a heel. I think that happened to Katie at Rocky in her, her race as well. So that's definitely a, you know, something that can happen when we get in longer races. Yeah. I think the most painful thing for me was at mile 37. I knew I knew I had a blister. I could feel it. And, it, and that's also when I wanted to s switch socks yeah. and switch shoes, which I'm glad I did, but getting those socks off and then <laughs> dealing with that blister. And then we tried, we tried to put a bandaid on. There was no way yeah. that bandaid was going to stick. So putting those new socks and I think I'd never actually had even worn them. The yeah. exoskin socks, they're so tight. They're almost like compression socks. Yeah. That was probably the most painful thing is getting those socks on and ready to go. And, and, but after, after that, once it, once I got them on, 
I could feel the blister, but it was fine. Right. Because, okay. you know, you're sort, just sort of getting that mindset. Like, I know it's going to be a little bit painful, but it wasn't anything I couldn't handle. And honestly, after that, I, I think I probably forgot about it. I think you mentioned this yeah. on the episode two weeks ago. You had those little niggles, those little right. those little things. And then, you, you know, about half an hour later, you're like, oh, I haven't even thought about yeah. that in a while. You know, a lot of things, you know, you get, uh, you get pains or fatigue and say you get it mile 20. It, you know, it's not going to be three times as worse at the end. No. Sometimes it's just going to, it's just going to flatten out. And it's like, oh, well, this is it. You know, you don't, uh, the, I think the, one of the biggest concerns or the, one of the biggest fears is you just think ev- everything's going to get expen- exponentially worse. Oh, I God, I really hurt this bad. I can't imagine how I'm going to hurt it. You know, yeah. then it, it doesn't always work like that. You know, sometimes it flattens out and sometimes it gets better. Um, so you just never know. You can't you can't think that far down the road. I did want to jump back to um, uh, something you'd mentioned about, you know, you were slowing down toward the ends. I, I you know, I want to be clear. When I was falling on the tracker, your uh, paces were really consistent as uh as we you know the tracker was a little iffy um but when we got time checks i would check the pace chart that we had for 19 hours and you were right there and then by and then actually i think the tracker skipped the next to the last aid station (laughs) so you know i was super worried i was driving back from huntsville i was like i'm not getting anything here i'm just refreshing um there's a clydesdale laying on the trail somewhere right (laughs) but then when you finish you were well under 19 hours so while you may, you know, while relative, yes, you were slowing down compared to how much you should have been slowing down, you really weren't. So um, that's why I say you were actually speeding up. Um, so yeah. you may not feel like you finished strong, but you did because the pace that you were expected to slow down, you slowed down much less. So that's, that's good. a strong finish. That's good. And I felt good at the end. Honestly, yeah. I probably felt as good at the end as I did at mile 37, good. which yeah. is a good 20 something miles. And yeah, I, you could, you'll, you'll hear the audio that, that we shared earlier this pot on the podcast. I, I sound more drunk <laughs> <laughs> at the very end, but I felt, and by the way, I wasn't, I wasn't drunk. I was just a little bit of the brain fog, yeah. but I felt physically as good or, or actually maybe even better than I did at mile 37. And part yeah. of it was the heat. Yeah. Mile 37 was the hottest part, I think, for, for me in terms of when part of the day it was. I think it, that was about 5 o'clock. So right. I just, I'd just been running slash hiking through the hottest part of the day. And then at the end, it's like 2.30 in the morning. It's cool. It's kind of yeah. fresh outside. There's a wind blowing. It, you yep. know, that, that finish is kind of in a windy area. At it least is. it was. It is. It's kind of cruel because they, they don't they make you take the bus. So my wife was like, I wasn't able to bring like some of the things I would have brought, you know, on the bus, yeah. and so she's freezing, got her big oh, ass runner no. hoodie on. Uh, but she was it was fine. But yeah, I think that I think the temperature made me just feel a little bit a little bit better there at the end. Yeah, it's definitely a tough finish because it's it's really flat in the last few miles, but you can see the lights yeah. of the finish line. But they're really far away. They seem like all, forever it looks away. Like it's right there, but it's not. You look at your watch and like, ah, I still have miles to go. So it is a it is a tough finish. I uh, agree that um, it goes both ways. You know, you you just really on races where you have a long hundred k and you know you're going to go into the night. You just have to survive the day. And when the you know when the night comes, the temps drop. Everything changes a little bit. Definitely. And then also when. Uh, you know, you might get there too when you're doing a, a hundred miler where you're going into the next morning, you serve, you know, all that freshness that you're feeling 
you, you know, in the evening, it's going to go away by early morning. And then you're just trying to survive until the sun comes up. And then you'll also feel fresh. So there's going to be lulls throughout the day. Sure. Um, so you'll get a little piece of that uh, both ways where uh, just make it to the night. It'll cool down and thing. And then you'll probably get a second wind. So, um, yeah, it's good that you yeah that you were feeling that. I definitely felt that. I think the biggest concern I had at night, and I talked about this earlier, is my, my light went out. Mm-hmm. Because it's only three hour battery, which I thought it was six hour. Oh, really? Yeah. So at full strength, which I needed full strength. Okay. So it goes out, it's pitch black. And I do have my headlamp in my pack. Yeah. But I couldn't access it really easily. So I panicked a little bit because it is pitch black yeah. out there. And I and I don't know if because you didn't run into the night. I think you, you finished right right at sunset. Yeah. But I did and I figured I'd see some sort of wildlife out there, which you kind of want to see, but you kind of don't want to see. Yeah. I didn't see anything. I, I didn't, didn't see yeah. anything. I didn't out see there. a lizard. Nothing. I didn't hear. I may have heard a little mouse, maybe, but I didn't see anything either. I didn't see anything. I think that probably the coolest experience it, during the night part of it was the the it was a full if not a full moon, it was a near full moon. Right. I, I'm not a, a moon guy. So <laughs> someone played. It wasn't a full moon, Jeff, on that date, but it felt like there was a full moon, and I was walking. You're hiking through this area, and it, what are those? The big cactuses, the yeah, sonoras, I, or whatever they call Sonora? them. Yeah, what? Uh, all, no. the, all the Arizona people I were totally like, forgot. Yeah, I totally forgot. The big story. ones, yeah, the yeah. huge. They're it was like hundreds a, of years old. Yes. yes, there was like a field of them, and it, and the trail went kind of through them, and it was just the coolest thing. The way that the sun hit them, and the way my lights lit them up, it was just kind of magical, and it was cool. And I'm like, I'm gonna make it. Like it was just one of those you know, things you'll never forget. Yeah. Just like, when else am I going to be in the middle of the desert with all these huge cactus with the full moon, no one else around. It was just really cool. Really, yeah. really cool. It's, it's a great course. Yeah, it great is. Race. It is a great, you know, there's times I was cursing the course <laughs> when I was kicking rocks, but I would say overall, if I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very rare to get a point to point course. Um, so there's just not, you know, there's, not that many trails yeah. that'll go that far, but that's that's one of them. And it, you know, you get a little piece of everything. It, everything changes, um, and it's again, it's a fat. It can be a fast course, but it's also a tough course. I don't. Did you actually? You didn't get your feet wet in the Frio, did you? No, no. there was only. So there, I think there's four or five water crossings, yep. and there were two that actually had water in them at okay. all. And both of them had enough rocks that you could climb over. Uh, the, the second time, I did stop on the rocks and just splash water all yep. over myself because it was pretty hot at that mm-hmm. point. And I saw another lady doing it. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. But yeah, there was no. There, I did not get my feet wet at all. Yeah, it's a you know I I probably should have memorized it, but I can't remember. It's it was a incredibly high DNF rate, and not just no. Typically, when races are like that, it's it's higher with elites, but it was high all around. So you yeah, know, elites are going hard trying to get the golden ticket and shooting for placements. So they they're just going to cook it no matter what. But it was ridiculously high. So there was over 120 right, people yeah. that, D, that DNF that it's race. A, so like I said, uh, you getting your finish and not even that far off. You know the bigo. That's uh, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. And and I will give a tip of the hat to the, some of the older runners that, you know, the guy that won true heart Brown, oh, yeah. 41 years yeah. old. I think the both of them were second yeah. place was Scott Trayer, 40 years old, yeah. 
he's the one that did all those chasing the gold videos and he actually yeah. ended up coming in second ah, that's probably a good taper for him yeah if you didn't see the the chasing the gold series i, I highly recommend it but scott actually interviewed himself it was really oh, i didn't, I didn't yeah. see that one you got to check that out it was really funny he's just a he's a really yeah. cool guy he's from boston so he's got that okay thick, i was wondering where that yeah. accent was from he's a thick he has a thick ac- uh, boston accent but he now lives in arizona and he just does a great job yeah. on those so highly that recommend was a, that, that was a good series well, Coach Greg, I owe you a big, big gratitude for getting me to the finish line. The training program you put together was perfect for me. I felt great during the whole race. Obviously, was able to finish. So, big thanks to you and your program. No, it's always fun watching you. Uh, I think the first journey to any kind of distance PR is special. And your training, you know, your training was great. And sometimes, you know, we we we're always at the mercy of the race gods on yep. whether the. Yep. And they, they tried to, they threw a little wrench in there. Um, so it's sometimes all the stars have to align, but this time they didn't. You got a bad weather year, but you still persevered and you, you know, you're able to have a strong finish. So I'm happy that everything went well. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. And also thanks for sharing your wisdom with the big ass runner herd. I heard such good feedback. I think people are going to benefit from this conversation too. So thanks for your willingness to share for free with our big ass runner herd. What, <laughs> What is so valuable. So thank no, you for that as well. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun to awesome. talk running. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thanks, Greg. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Well, that is the end of this very special episode number 82 of the Big Ass Runner, the Black Canyon 100K race recap. So many thanks to give out. Thanks to Vitals for that amazing intro. Thanks to Coach Greg for coming in and sharing how he talks to his athletes after a race and what things are important to observe, learn from, do differently so that you can apply them to your next race. Thanks for Allison Harrell, the greatest crew member of all time, for joining this show somewhat reluctantly, but I think everyone benefited from that. And thank you, too, to the Big Ass Runner Herd for all of your encouragement, for all of your kind wishes, for all the great videos, for Ashley and team for meeting up with me on Thursday, for Kelly and team for meeting up with me on Friday, for Moose for being there at the dead of night at the table mesa aid station so many thanks to give out but again hopefully this episode gave you some things to learn from as you attack your next big race well with that thanks again to everyone that listened also big thanks as always to the guy that makes us sound so good each and every week steve sassafras saunders well with that go out there hit those trails and keep running your asses off